And now, Chuck and Ruff go to the movies. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chuck and Ruff Go to the Couch, as we've been very nicely calling it for this uh, little Game of Thrones series that we've been talking about. I'm joined, as always, by my brother, Robert Ruff. Robert, how are you doing? What's going on? I'm doing good. Just got back from the gym. A little hot and sweaty. Hey, Didn't perfect time, time to shower do. yet. This, is, this, this takes precedent over showers. Of course, recording always <laughs> takes precedence over showers, eating. Not the gym, though. Gym. I'm proud of you for going back to the gym. We've both been going right? back to the gym. I haven't been in a while, and I've been three times in the past, like, five days. So That's awesome. I'm trying to make this a habit. Yes. Um, especially on my days off. That's the worst on your days off, because you're just sitting at home, and like, well, I really don't want to get up and go to the gym. <laughs> when you leave after work and go to the gym, you're already out and about, so it's easier to go. Yeah. But when you're at home, and you're watching TV, and you're like, eh... Guess I, I should do go. something with my life. Just like yesterday. Yeah. Well, yesterday I was gonna go and I sat on my couch and I never did. <laughs> so But oh, hey. I took uh, a nap instead. Well, you know, that's good too, because you know, I was just having this conversation with a couple of friends. You know, our our mental health is absolutely important. Uh our sleep is absolutely important. It's good that we're getting out into the gym, we're being active, everything like that, but also getting like sleep and proper rest and stuff like that. That's just as important too. So I highly condone. I'm jealous. I don't get to nap. I have anxiety when it comes to nap. So when people tell me they can nap, I'm jealous. I really am. Why do you have anxiety? I I don't know what it is. It's like as soon as I lay, it's like you feel like I, you're not going to wake up in time or something. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to miss something, or yeah, I won't wake up. Uh, like uh, if especially like if I have something to do that afternoon or evening or something like that, I'm so afraid that I'm going to oversleep or something, or I just think about all the millions of Set things alarm. I should be doing <laughs> instead of uh, napping well, and stuff that. like that. So my, I have like, to be truly exa- exhausted to take a nap. I went out to um, Top Golf last night, and so at uh, I wanted to get a nap in before we went because I knew we were going to be out all night, which we were. So I was like, <laughs> "All right, so it's four thirty. I'm going to sleep one hour and wake up at five thirty. And for some reason, my body did exactly that. I went to sleep and I woke up and I looked at the clock and it was five thirty. I was like, "Hey, awesome! <laughs> Look at that! That's awesome! Top Golf! Oh yeah. man, I want to yeah, so half price Tuesdays." You know, it's like the cheapest top golf I've ever done. Oh, I wonder if every fun. location does that or if that was just specific to yours. So. I don't know. Because um, my birthday buddy, a uh, guy who was, I work with that's actually shared the same birthday with, uh, that's what we wanted to do um, was we wanted to go to Top Golf and uh, we just we couldn't get our schedules to align. So we decided we were going to do it sometime during August or uh, September. And the closest Top Golf is in Myrtle Beach. So it is kind of a thing we have to plan out. So I'm going to look that up. I'm going to see if... What? How long of a drive is that? Uh, It's about an hour. It's not bad. No, it's not too bad. But it's still something we got to plan. It's not just like, hey, let's go to Topgolf tonight, and it's right down the road. You know what I mean? So uh, I got... You got to give yourself time, too, because they always have... Like, we had to wait an hour and a half last night, or about an hour or so, just to get a bay. Yeah, so that's exactly it. So I'm going to look that up and see if that Half Price Tuesday thing is... uh, Something that this location does, and then I'll just we'll have to just plan a time on a Tuesday to go down and do it. That mm-hmm. sounds like fun. Anyway, so anyway, <laughs> we're here to talk about 
Game of Thrones or continue our discussion on Game of Thrones. So guys, full disclosure, we've actually recorded this entire conversation, but it it was a long conversation, so we made the decision to split it into two episodes for you guys. So we just wanted to uh, come on here, do a little intro, kind of uh, bring y'all back in after last week's little foray into Game of Thrones and uh, kind of bring y'all back into the mood for part two of this discussion. And speaking of this discussion before we go into it, so Robert and I were talking before we uh, started this uh, little intro recording, House of Dr- House of the Dragon. So that will have already premiered House by the, the time Dragon, this, this episode... Sunday. Oh no, that won't have premiered. No, it comes out Friday. Yeah, this yeah. comes out Friday. This and comes then out House before of Dragons that. comes out Sunday. Yes, so two days before we will be talking about our initial reactions to that season premiere of the House of the Dragon uh, on the next episode after that. So, guys, please, um, I'm I'm giving y'all the warning now. We will we'll try to keep it as spoiler free as possible, but I can't wait for Robert and I to share our reactions to that. Uh, season premiere it looks like it's going to be an absolutely amazing show i can't wait yeah it's gonna be fun hopefully hopefully i'm hopefully. I'm, I, I'm skeptical i really am i don't want to be but the last game of thrones that we saw wasn't all that great <laughs> well you know it, it's like we were discussing in this game of thrones discussion that it felt like once the writers had to stray away from source material because there was no source material. Right. George R. R. Martin hadn't finished, still hasn't finished his books. Um, you know, it was, it became concerning, and you saw the noticeable difference. It was a very noticeable difference between the quality of the story between uh, seasons one through six, and then going into seven and eight. It just like it, it started falling down, uh, falling down a hill, and then eventually went off a cliff. So it is kind of I understand the. Uh, hesitation there going into this prequel series there is a lot uh, George R. R. Martin has established a lot of the Targaryen lore and dynasty and history and stuff like that so but writers still have to fill in the blanks so right there hopefully still has to be dialogue and all that yeah there, there has to be dialogue there still has to be drama and stuff like that and I'm sure the writers have had to kind of connect the dots in creative ways and I I have high hopes that they did it justice Again, because there is source material to pull from in this instance. It's not like season eight where we're just going to make it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Arya is going to kill the Night King. Sure. Yay. Awesome. That was awesome. But still. Uh, oh, Daenerys is just. Um, yeah. She's going to hear the bells. She's going to look at the Red Keep. She's just going to go get that crazy look in her eyes. And she's going to become the Queen of the Ashes. Boom. Done. No, it doesn't work that way, guys. You got it. You got to have to build up. You gotta have the build up. See, I'm I'm getting worked up just like I did during our re- recording. I'm banging on my desk. Got to stop doing that. <laughs> um. Anyway, Robert, do you have anything to add before we uh, continue diving into this discussion? No, I'm 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 good. Awesome. All right, guys. So here is the remainder of our Game of Thrones discussion. In the name of Robert of the House Baratheon. First of, you know how it goes. Fill in the damn titles. I hereby command Eddard of House Stark, titles, titles, to serve as Lord Regent and Protector of the Realm upon my death. What are your favorite episodes? Whew. All right, so I I, I wrote this down, and... Um, 
I, I tried to pick one from every season to kind of make it fair because I did have a favorite from oh, every season. Nice. Uh, season four, I actually have three because, again, it was the best season that was uh, produced and it was my favorite season. So let's start with season one. So season one, my favorite episode is episode six, A Golden Crown. That's when you realize, that's when you realize that this is not going to be just a generic story about the Targaryens trying to reclaim the throne. It's going to be about Daenerys Targaryen going to reclaim the throne. Yeah. Uh, and it was just absolutely a phenomenal episode to watch, especially like, you know, here's your golden crown, and he just pours molten gold all over his head. That was a pretty gruesome way to die, uh, was, quite honestly. Yeah, that was good, though. That was good. I, he deserved it. He deserved every bit of it, but it was kind of a gruesome way to die. Um, season two, my favorite episode is, in fact, it's my favorite episode of the entire show. Um, episode nine, Blackwater. The Battle of Blackwater. Just absolutely phenomenal um, show. Uh, just a, a great little, uh, a great uh, vehicle for Tyrion for his moment to shine. What he did with the wildfire is absolutely fantastic. Um, and then that ended up just being kind of the downfall of Tyrion Lannister too. So when he was at his height, that's where his downfall begins. And it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, season three, I would have to say episode four. And uh, that one is uh, titled, And Now His Watch Is Ended. Um, that is the one where uh, Theon is already in, um, in custody of Ramsay. And, uh, you know, he's uh, kind of consumed with that guilt of what he uh, did to... Uh, the Starks, you know, you know, faking the uh, Stark children's death and stuff like that. Um, that's also where we learn about the Brotherhood and uh, how um, I can't think of that guy's name all of a sudden. Um, oh, the guy we just talked about a little while ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, yeah. how he can keep being brought back to life. So you learn about yeah. the magic a great setup for what's going to be coming later on in the show. Um, you know, how the Lord of light brings people back to life. Um, you all, this is also the episode where, um, you, you actually get primed for Olena being revealed to be the person behind Joffrey's death. Uh, she's meeting with Varys in secret and stuff like that. That's a great scene too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wonderful. And then, uh, you got uh you've got uh, the um you've got the night's watch party that's north of the wall they're at Craster's. Man, that entire time they're at Craster's is absolutely kind of crazy. I'm just going to throw that out yeah. there. Um kind of some of those scenes are kind of hard to watch. Um so yeah, that's just it's a fantastic episode um from beginning to end. You just see a lot and again, it's from that perspective that I got to watch it. This is where you really start to see a lot of the wheels moving and what direction that you're getting to all these uh, climatic events. This episode, how is full of it. Um, season four. So again, I've got three episodes on this one. Uh, so episode two, The Lion and the Rose, Joffrey's death. Bye-bye, Joffrey. Goodbye. Um, episode eight, The Mountain and the Viper. What a battle. My God. God, that was such yeah. a oh yes, that, and that then was, that that, that was ending, good. dude. That ending, uh, 
If you would have just let, he was dying, dude. Over it. You would just, just let it go. Seriously, on, you, you just got your you revenge. Won. Why? Why did you just have <sighs> to keep talking? And that was a horrible death for him. And that's the thing too. So what I didn't like about Oberyn's wife, whatever yeah. her name was, I can't remember. Elena? How she's no. like, we need to go to war because yeah, no, not Elena. Uh, no, but no. we need. She was telling the the king of Dorne, we need to go to war with the Lannisters. They killed Oberyn, blah blah blah. And he's like, well, it was a battle, you know. He volunteered to fight. Yeah. So that's not something we can go to war over, you know. <laughs> that was his choice to fight the mountain. Yeah. I don't know. But shout out to Pedro Pascal. I mean, he had quite oh, yeah. a run in this season. Honestly. Uh, and then um, episode 10 of this one as well, uh, The Children. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal episode. Um, that's where the death of Tywin happens. We got the grand escape of uh, Tyrion. And uh, this is where he's going to finally go off and... Uh, begin his journey to meet Daenerys and stuff like that. This is where you realize Varys has been truly plotting against the crown. Um, it's just, it's full of so many revelations, uh, quite honestly. And then, you know, I kind of actually feel bad for Tywin. Who wants to die on the crapper? Not me. <laughs> Not me. You're gonna shoot me on the privy? Yeah, like, who 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 died better on the toilet, Tywin or Elvis? I mean, I don't know. Or Elvis? <laughs> or Elvis? <laughs> died on the toilet. Um, season five, episode ten, Mother's Mercy. Uh, just wow, that episode right there was absolutely fantastic. Um, of course, that ended with the really like, if you hadn't, if you didn't read the books. You had no idea what was happening next. Jon Snow's death. Just like, wow, they just killed Jon Snow. What yeah. the heck? They just killed Jon Snow. Why? Spoiler alert. He comes back, guys. <clears throat> Not so much what? a spoiler alert. <laughs> um, Episode 10 of season 6. So the, the two seasons or three seasons in a row where the finale episodes just absolutely nailed it. Season 6 episode 10 Winds of Winter. This is where Cersei uh, blows up the sept. Yeah, and Tommen dies. And I'm yeah. just like what just happened here? I mean, you you really think it's going to like all be okay? Loras confessed to his crimes. He's going to Take the take the mark of uh the 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 whatever it is the sparrows the you know high sparrows or what whatever, whatever the hell they're called I can't remember the yeah the, the high sparrows yeah sure um he's gonna take the mark you know Marjorie uh Marjorie's already confessed to her crimes and everything like that Cersei's gonna stay you think Cersei's gonna stay in trial and it's finally she's gonna get the justice she deserves and then boom who's who's the mat like Who's showing more, more um, tones of being the Mad King here, Cersei or Daenerys? And that was another thing that was satisfying too. That Cersei again doesn't learn because she set all that up, and then it backfired on her. Yeah, <laughs> completely she... backfired on her, and she got arrested. It's like stupid. You're you're an idiot, Cersei. 
Yeah. Um, season seven, uh, be episode four, the uh, spoils of war. Um, this is the one where uh, Daenerys finally, finally is in Westeros, and she rides and she destroys the train. Um, in fact, I think there was a. I think this uh, term has been coined by uh, Game of Thrones watchers. Loot train. So this is after they have gone to Highgarden. This is after Elena's death. Uh, Jamie and Bronn are escorting the uh, spoils of war back to um, back to King's Landing, so they can pay off the Iron Bank and blah 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 blah. There's Daenerys with her dragons, and she is just raining destruction down on them, and it's absolutely wonderful to watch. And then finally, in season eight. I do have a favorite in season eight, believe it or not. It is episode, uh, I think it's two. Yes, two. A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. Nothing. That is honestly one of my favorite. Ep- I hate season eight, but that is one of my favorite episodes. It's it's fantastic. Like nothing climatic happens in yeah, it. Like there's no happens. fighting. Yeah. There's no war. It's just people being people. It, this is right on the... Right there on the cusp of the uh, of the war or the battle against the Night King and stuff like that, it's just characters being human and Jamie in one of his most humanizing acts in his entire life, knights Brienne of Tarth yeah. as a knight of the Seven Kingdoms, and it's absolutely yeah. Tommen's like or not wonderful. Tommen, uh, Tor- uh, Torment, uh, not Torment. Yeah, he's like, well, why aren't you a knight? And she's like, well, because there's no women in that are not or women can't be nice is like why, why not? not you know yeah and jamie's like yeah why not yeah little known fact that knights can knight other knights and it's just so he does yep. and it's and it's wonderful and just like it, and that's not the only thing best thing about that sh- episode it's just again it's the humanity of everybody there they are they are facing death in the face and with no certainty that anybody's going to come out on top in this one and how do they choose to spend it they knight each other they laugh they sit around a fire they drink wine um i believe Arya's out there uh getting it on with gendry you know everybody is just being <laughs> human and it's wonderful to watch and then every episode that follows is just <laughs> downhill um so yeah those yeah. are my favorite episodes um i didn't do one from every season i just picked no worries. Like. <laughs> um, episode or season two, episode nine, you had it too, the Battle of the Blackwater. Oh, so, um, good. so originally in the book, Tyrion loses his whole nose. Yeah. But um they were talking about how he didn't want to wear a or it would have been too difficult to have him wear a green thing sleeve, I guess, on his nose every single day for the rest of the series. So they just put that big gash on his face. No, uh, it's uh, that's a good book change, book to TV show change. Yeah, it's fine. Um, another the door, season six, episode five, Hodor, <gasps> Hodor. hold the hold door. the door, hold the door, oh, man, hold that, the door. that episode will hold get door. you. Hold the door. Uh, so how does time travel a... work? We've had this discussion before. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> But I'm, I, I can't help we but think know. about that discussion and think about this episode. You know, so Bran, through his tree network capabilities as the Three-Eyed Raven, goes back in time and 
affects like wargs into Hodor and then creates effectively creates Hodor because he's not Hodor then I don't remember what his character's name was before Hodor um but it creates Hodor but does that mean he was always destined to go create Hodor Yes, I guess. I mean, that's how it happened. And, and I mean, Hodor was Hodor, Hodor when they knew him growing up like that. So even though technically it hadn't happened yet, but it, it had already happened, you know? <laughs> so what if Bran had never done that? I don't know. I mean, I know it's destiny to happen, but I'm just like, I don't know. That's why I don't like time travel. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, I got Endgame on right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, uh, next one is the Battle of the Bastards. Um, Season 6, Episode 9. Yeah. That was a good battle. Um, There were things that I didn't like about it. Um, I was like, I was when I was watching it, when it first came on TV, I'm watching it, I'm like, did y'all really just bring Jon Snow back just to kill him again? Because... That's not cool. <laughs> and I really thought he was going to die, and, but yeah. then the veil showed up, and Sansa should have told him that the veil was coming, or that she at least sent notice to the veil that they might come, you know? In all um, fairness, though, Jon doesn't share everything with her either, so, I mean... Like, I get that, too, but this is, pretty, this is a big thing. I so, guess, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, they wouldn't have won the, the war, the battle, without the veil. They were losing. And then the veil shows up, and then they win. So um, that's that's a big a big deal. She should have told him. But, oh, Peter, um, the veil. Yeah. Um. Then I got season four, episode two, the line of the rose, where Joffrey dies. Ha ha. Just a good episode all the way around. Um, is it is is this very satisfying at the end? <laughs> kind of dry. Uh, Can I get my wine? <laughs> Uncle Uncle Tyrion, why don't cup you be bear, my cupbearer? Cup yeah. Cupbearer. Yes, bear me my cup. Sorry. <laughs> There's so many times where Tywin just probably just wanted to smack the crap out of Joffrey, but because he's king, he can't, you know? Oh, <laughs> seriously. Tywin, Tywin was so freaking annoyed with Joffrey all the time. Like, this is not my grandson. King is no king. Technically, it's like double your grandson. <laughs> No? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how does that got work? All Lannister blood. Yeah, yeah. So got how all does, Lannister blood. How does that work in the lineage of things, you know, like yeah, um, are, is the grandson to the second power? I mean, uh. <laughs> um, then I got Spoils of War, which is the one where uh Jamie's army's fighting and uh then uh they're trying to get River Run and uh the Blackfish and then Daenerys shows up with her dragon. And that battle there, I li- I like that episode. Uh, that yeah. was season seven, episode four. And then my last one that I put is A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, season eight, episode two. That's just such a good episode. It is. And I just love how they they're all just sitting there around the fire, just talking, telling stories. Podrick breaks out in song. T- good uh, singer. Tyrion, yeah, Tyrion is drinking like he does. I drink and I know things. <laughs> um. <laughs> It's just all all the way around every aspect of that episode, just all the conversations with different people throughout the castle, 
people who haven't seen each other in a while. Just every everything was really good about that episode, and then everything just went to crap after that. You know, interestingly enough, it is the highest rated episode of that season. Really? Yes. Do you know what the lowest is? The last one? Yes. (laughs) Because it's stupid. Yes, because everybody's pissed. (laughs) There's no love for that episode at all. Anyway. Yeah. Those are good. Um, Those are good episode choices. Yeah, that's all I had. Nice. Nice. Um... This is normally the section where we do quotable lines. I wrote some down. There's just so many during a series yeah. than uh, actual movie. Um, but I wrote a couple down. Me too. Um, I, did you write any down? Yeah, I did. Okay. I even you I've already said a few of them too. <laughs> um, I mean, like the first one is I said it earlier. Any man who must say I am king is no true king. Tywin Lannister said yeah. that. Um, Cersei Lannister probably has the most defining line in the entire episode. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or die. Uh, there is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. I wrote that down, yeah. There is no middle ground. There is no spoon. Um, Tywin Lannister, again, coming out here with all the sharp wit here. A lion does not concern himself with the opinion of sheep. You know, he says that when he's talking to, uh, Jamie, you know, trying to convince Jamie that he act- when Jamie says he doesn't care about people, what people think of him, and he's like, yeah, you do. Just the simple fact you said that means you do. Um, Ram- Ramsey Snow uh, probably has the defining line of this entire show, especially when you think about season eight. If you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I mean, I, he nailed yeah. it right that, there. Yeah, seriously, yeah. I didn't um, even notice that when I watched it, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's essentially line. that's the theme of season eight. If you, if you it, think this has a happy game, ending, yeah. <laughs> you haven't been paying, you haven't paying attention. Um, this exchange between Tyrion and Jon, uh, this is back in episode one, so I mean, we're talking about one of my least favorite episodes here, but uh, he says, Tyrion says to Jon, let me give you some advice, bastard. Never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not. Wear it like armor and it can never be used to hurt you. John says, well, what the hell do you know about being a bastard? And Tyrion's like, well, all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes. And, of course, we got to see that play yeah, throughout the entire... Tyrion, yeah. like, his whole life, you know? Like, they he treated had a him life. like crap. I mean, he was a Lannister. He pretty much did what he wanted, but at the same time, everybody hated him, especially Cersei. Yeah, and they were always all scheming against him, like his first wife and everything like that. That story is just so sad. Yeah. Even when Jamie proved... That uh, Tyrion didn't kill Joffrey. Cersei still didn't care. Yeah. She still wanted him dead, you know? Yeah. She's always wanted him dead from the very beginning. Uh, Peter, you know, has all another great line here. You know, chaos isn't a pit. Chaos is a ladder. Many who try to climb it fail and never get to try again. The fall breaks them. And some are given a chance to climb. They refuse. They cling to the realm or to the gods or love. Illusions. Only the ladder is real. The climb is all there is. Uh, and that's that's a defining thought throughout many aspects of the show, you know, about climbing into positions of pow- um, power. I mean, you can literally apply it to when John and uh, the North, um, the uh, men beyond the wall, climb the actual wall. Uh, by the way, that that episode gave me anxiety. By the way, like, why are you climbing this ice wall? You're gonna die. Um. 
And of course, the last one I have written down, or I've got two more written down, excuse me. Uh, Egret, you know nothing, Jon Snow. You know nothing, Jon Snow. God, that's all she ever said. It's like, can you think of something any more original, Egret? And then, Jon Snow, you know nothing. You know nothing. <laughs> um, and then Tyrion Lannister, again, you know, with these bombshells here. We've had vicious kings and we've had idiot kings, but I don't know if we've ever been cursed with a vicious idiot for a king. Yeah. Go Tyrion. He had some good lines throughout the series. He did. He did. Oh, 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 one more. Sorry, um, I forgot I, I had this one oh. written down. Sorry. No, go for it. Brienne of Tarth. Nothing's more hateful than failing to protect the one you love. That one gets me. Yeah. Yep. All right. That's all I have. I didn't, my, my, most of that I wrote down weren't as deep as that. <laughs> Except for one of them. One of them was really deep. But uh, the ones that I would get to save that one for last. Um, when Bronn, uh looking at the axe that Tyrion is holding before the Battle of the Blackwater, he goes, you know how to use that? And Tyrion goes, I chopped wood once. No. I watched my brother chop wood. <laughs> yeah, Adele Tyrion then, never uh, done Ned anything and Arya, like that in his life. Yeah. Uh, Ned and Arya, um, you know the first thing about sword fighting? Arya, stick it with the pointy end. Ah, yes. John taught her that lesson. Uh, then Cersei, you already said about the Game of Thrones. And Tyre, uh, Tyrion and Shay, Tyrion, when they first meet in season one, he's like... Uh, if I die, weep for me. She goes, you're dead. How will you know? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a fair question. Yeah. Uh, season eight, uh, with John and Danny, when he's about to ride the dragon, he goes, I don't know how to ride a dragon. Danny says, nobody does until they ride a dragon. John says, well, what if he doesn't want me? What if he doesn't want me to? Danny goes, then I've enjoyed your company, Jon Snow. I actually have some thoughts on this particular, not this exchange in itself, but this whole idea of uh, John riding the dragon. I don't know if you want to discuss that now or if you want to wait. Well, we'll, we'll get to it. I've got other thoughts that probably go and coincide with your thoughts. All right, cool. So, um, and then last one I had. Oh, no, two more I have. But uh, in season eight, I like this when they're. Uh, um, uh, Thorman is. Uh, He's going through one of the castles. I forget which one. And then the other guy's coming the other way. And he goes, stay back. He's got blue eyes. Norman's like, I've always had blue eyes. <laughs> and this one, this one's sad. Um, Samuel's dad was a freaking dick. Yeah. And he yes, named he his was. son Dickon. <laughs> uh, so many jokes. <laughs> Anyways. Too little time. So, um, this occurred in season one, episode four. Uh, when they're on top of the wall, well, but um, John says to Sam, he goes, "You're afraid of heights and nearly everything else. What are you doing here, Sam?" Sam says, "On the morning of my 18th name day, my father came to me. You're almost a man now," he said, "but you're not worthy of my land and title. Tomorrow you're going to take the black and forsake all claims to your inheritance and start north. If you do not," he said. Then we'll have to we'll have a hunt, and somewhere in these woods, your horse will stumble, and you will be thrown from the saddle to die. Or so I'll tell your mother. Nothing would please me more. What a jerk! Right? That's what he, he told his son. <laughs> Just because he does like isn't a warrior, like not everybody's the same person, you know. 
Yeah, it's okay to be book smart, okay? The world, the, exactly. The world needs maesters at that time. You know, so. it's said that Samuel Tarley is supposed to be the avatar of George R.R. R. Martin. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. You know, the book smart one, always wanting to learn, you know, kind of like the hidden, a hidden hero in the story, almost. I mean, he did kill a White Walker. Just saying. He did. Yep. Um, those are all the the quotes I had. Nice. I mean, what would you do if your father came and told you something like that? I'd go to the wall. I mean, what else is there to do? I'd rather do that than die. It would suck for Samuel because he's not wall material. I mean, take that. Lucky play. for him. Lucky for him, the maester was already old and. Mr. Amon. Gonna go soon anyway, so they're gonna need one eventually. And also lucky for him, he had Jon Snow. If he wouldn't have Jon Snow there, he'd have probably been dead. That's very true. True. But I mean, here, let's propose a different outcome of this. He takes the he takes that blade from hanging above the fireplace and he just whacks his father in the head. Yeah. He's like, There's that's that, what I think um, of you. I don't think he would do that. <laughs> I don't think he would do that because of his mother and his his sister. Yeah, but, and then his yeah, brother yeah. might come after him after that too, you know. But, like, hey, hey, yeah, he could have taken the took down take one the Tyrion approach. Yeah, like I'm tired of you treating me like crap. Swack. That's what the sound yeah. of a sword makes. Swack. Um, crap. I had this idea as you were talking, man. Now I can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah, so you had mentioned um, how he went to the wall, met Master Eamon and stuff like that, you know, uh, Maester Eamon, and how old he was and stuff like that. I, I, gotta, I gotta say, you know, I, we didn't talk about, I didn't give him an honorable mention or anything like that, but I really did like Maester Eamon, and I love the fact that oh, he's a Targaryen. Yeah. Like, you know... Yeah, he gave up everything to become a Maester, yeah. It's he could have been on the throne. It's proof... That the Targaryens truly were not wiped out. I mean, aside from the Big John reveal at the end, and you know, obviously we know of Daenerys and stuff like that. But you know, when he reveals himself to be a Targaryen that abdicated the throne and went and took the Black, I mean, it's just like wow, that was that was such a deep story, and that's kind of the stuff that I'm looking forward to in the upcoming House of Dragons uh, show. Uh, later on this month, you know, it's just with uh, I want to learn more about the Targaryen dynasty, basically. Yeah. And, you know, I know we're not going to get the events that lead up to the events that started Game of Thrones, or maybe we will at some point. I don't know. Is this going to be a one one season yeah, shot? The series goes. Yeah. Yeah. If, the, if it ends up being a multi season thing, then maybe we will finally get to see uh, that really play out. But, you know, I, I, the entire Targaryen family history is very fascinating, and we got to get a little uh, tidbit of it on um, through Ma- Maester Raymond, and he was a very interesting character. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, that's all I have for that. So I'm going to bring it back to Maester Raymond real quick. <laughs> Sorry. Now, like, now the juices are flowing here on this particular thing. So... Maester Aemon is the one who cast the deciding vote to make Jon Snow Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, right? 
He does it because he recognizes that Jon Snow has the qualities and the capabilities of being an accomplished leader. He was uh, chosen uh, by the previous Lord Commander, you know, to uh, not be his, like, you know, second in command, but to basically be his right-hand man. And uh, do you think part of it, after all the reveals, is Aemon felt a kinship to John and a sense oh, of loyalty to him? Maybe. I mean, obviously, maybe. unless Aemon kept the secret, like took the secret to the grave with him, he didn't know that John was he might the son that. of Rhaegar Targaryen. I bet you uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he did know that and just didn't say anything. So maybe, so do you think all of his support and guidance and everything he did for John was uh, out of kinship or just out of understanding who John was capable of being? I don't think it was out of kinship. I think it was understanding of what John is capable of doing. Um, but it didn't hurt that he was a Targaryen. Okay, cool. I like it. All right, we're on the same page then. Plot holes. Cool. Plot holes. The only one that I wrote down. Sorry, I kind of cut you off. <laughs> it's okay. I was just oh. saying the same thing over and over. Oh. Uh, Melisandre. It was revealed, I guess, in season seven that when she takes off the necklace, she becomes an old lady. Mm-hmm. Well, in season two, there's a scene of her in a bathtub not wearing the necklace, and she looks like she does all the time. All right. So, I saw that in your notes, and I did a lot of thinking about it, and I started doing a little bit of research on this one, and here's the best thing that I can come up with. Uh, I mean, I didn't come up with it, so basically I'm going to to go based off a theory that I read on the interwebs. Um, Essentially, yes, so when she's in that episode, she's in the bath, not wearing her necklace, but she's still her young self when she's talking to um, Stannis' wife. Stannis' wife is so infatuated with the religion of the Lord of Light. She is so, she is such a affirmed believer that Melisandre is there to lead them to the heights that they deserve and her devotion and her love to the Lord of Light and Melisandre's teachings and guidance is actually a blinder. Uh, Think of uh, beer goggles, okay? Think of beer goggles. She is so drunk off of the teachings of the Lord of the Light, of the religion that she is following so deeply that she cannot see the monster that Melisandre actually is. So it doesn't matter that she's not wearing the necklace at this point. I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. It's a plot (laughs) hole, and they just... I feel like they just... when they filmed this bathtub scene, they hadn't gotten to the idea that, hey, you know, this is going right. to become an issue later on in life. But at least there's a fan base out there who's willing to accept that maybe, maybe there's just some underlying things that we just don't know. And that's one of those things. Fair that, enough. That uh, if Stannis were to walk in, he would have seen an old woman. Or Davos were to walk in, he would have seen an old woman. You know what I mean? It's funny how our infatuation with things can blind us to the truth, though, in so many ways. So, there's some deep thought for you. Yeah. 
Well, actually, there, I mean, there's not. Okay, so not really a plot hole, but it is a movie mistake. Um, there is. I don't know if you saw this or not. Well, you probably, well, of course, you didn't see it because you just watched it. I don't. So I don't know if you know this or not. But when season eight premiered, uh, I don't remember what episode it was. I think it was after the battle of uh, against the White Walkers. That it next was episode, episode four. Yeah, there was a Starbucks cup on one of the tables, which has since been digitally removed. I I I rem I remember Coffee Gate. I remember the whole like everybody was losing their minds over this coffee cup. Um, so no, I never got to see it. You're right, HBO and like all. Um, everybody, it's been digitally removed, so it's no longer. But that's there. not all. There was another episode. I can't remember if it was the one where they had the council and they showed him the White Walker. Um, or if it was the last episode where they made Brian King. But in one of those episodes, when they're all sitting outside, somebody tried to tuck a water bottle under a chair, but you could definitely see it. Oh, no, I didn't notice that. Yeah. And they also um, removed that as well. But yeah. Leave it in there. I mean, it's now part of the <laughs> lore. I mean, is it really hard to believe that, you know, they have dragons and stuff like that? You, you're telling me they don't have bottles of water? I mean, come on. It's not so coffee in that, that cup, it's wine. I swear. Okay, well. Then. Miscellaneous thoughts. So let's. I've got a bunch of. Well, so. Let's dive in. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. <laughs> no, go, go. My bad. Um. I wrote down a lot of thoughts, which I sent you all of them. So a lot of them we actually covered already. So this, this might not be long, and then I'll get into all the other stuff that we usually do. But okay. Um, so I honestly forgot until I did my rewatch that this this the series actually starts out the first scene of the movie with White Walkers. Yep, I completely forgot about that. So they pretty much put that out there right away. This is what it's about, and went from there. But is it what um, it's about? Yes and no. Um, eventually, I mean, it's always it's, the White Walkers are always there. Uh, and then season seven and eight, or six, seven, and eight came. They became pretty prevalent. But um, but it's also about the Game of Thrones. Winter's so. coming. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. Yeah, yeah Winter's no, here. Winter's gone. Saying, winter's coming. Winter's, there it went. Winter's coming. It just blew away with the wind. So, right. um. I'm trying to get to things that we haven't gone over. Oh, <laughs> so one thing that really kind of pissed me off about the whole first season was Catelyn Stark. How much she hated Jon Snow. Bug the crap out of me. Can you blame her, though? She didn't know yes. the truth. It, no. That, and that, I'm going to get to that, too. But at the same time, it's not Jon Snow's fault at all. And she even mentions that at one point too. Yeah. But it's not it's it's a little kid. You know? It's a baby for one that you raise at some point learn to love the kid, you know? It's not his fault. And she hated him so freaking much. And you could definitely tell on the first season how much she hated him. She didn't even want anywhere around Bran when after he fell and it's just man. I just I just hated that for John, you know. <laughs> you, um, yeah. No, you can say. No, I was gonna say. I mean, yes, you you definitely hate it for John. He's being treated very unfairly, and he, he's 
he can't help who he is. And at this right. point, he can't help that, you know, he believed that Ned was his father and that, you know, he was fathered out of wedlock during a time of war and stuff like that. He He's innocent in many, 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 many ways. Uh, and even with the revelation of truly who he is, he's still innocent. So yeah. the way he was being treated, absolutely, it was horrible. But then, you know, I'm not trying to defend Catelyn Stark here because, no, she was absolutely just a wretched person um, towards him. But, you know, you can't help but, you know, also just kind of look at it from her perspective here. You know, here's this constant reminder that her husband did something wrong. I get that. Like, just staring her in the face, asking to be loved, asking to be raised as a member of all the children that she gave birth to with said husband and stuff like that. You know, he's he's the black sheep of the family. Um, And it's just like... And I think Ned is ultimately to blame for Catelyn's treatment of Jon, too. 100%. Ned could have told her the truth. Do you think Catelyn was going to go around to right. the entire realm and be like, hey, by the way, this is not my husband's bastard. This is his sister's child that she had with Rhaegar Targaryen. Yes. Kill the little kid. You know, no, she's not going to do that. If he had just been truthful with her about who John was, they could have kept the secret between... I, I still don't agree with the fact that he kept the secret, but still, they right. could... She could have then understood... And then I truly believe she would have found it a lot easier to love the child. But because he willingly, willingly went up to her and said, yeah, this is a a child I had with some, you know, bar winch while I was out fighting Robert's war. You know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Here, raise him. I'm sorry. I kind of understand where she's coming from. Ned is ultimately responsible for No, I I 100% agree that Ned is to blame. And I have that written down in my notes next. That he should have told her, yes, I understand why you keep it a secret, but like you just said, she's not going to tell anybody. That's his wife, you know? (laughs) Um, That's exactly... They have a relationship built on mutual respect and trust, and in her mind, Ned violated that mutual respect and trust, but she's still willing to stand by him. So after all that, that should have been Ned's clue right then and there that, hey... She can be trusted with the truth. Here's what's really going on. He is a Targaryen, and he's going to be yeah. hunted down his whole life if everybody finds out who he is. He is yeah. the product of yeah, it's, a it's, secret marriage it, that nobody wants to acknowledge. Right. And he's still, I mean, even though he says in season eight, I'm not a Stark. Well, dude, you actually are a Stark. You are a Stark. You're half Stark, half Targaryen. You are you know, the song of ice and fire, John. The entire story so is technically family. about they you. They could have risen. She could have risen him as, or raised him as <laughs> her son, but not tell anybody that he's not their or Ned's child, which is fine, you know. But I mean, yeah, that that was on Ned. Ned needed to tell her. Yeah, he's like, hey. We're going to tell the world that he's my bastard, but here's the truth of who he really is. He's my nephew. Yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, my. We got to save him. And so then she probably would have loved him just fine. Form. Yeah. And then, exactly. But yeah. everything, again, so technically now, that's, that's her nephew, too. You know? <laughs> te- very technical. And, but here, the, this goes back to the whole everything's got to happen for a reason. 
If Ned didn't lie and told the truth, well, John would have been raised in a very loving home. He wouldn't have wanted to go take the black on the wall, so on, so forth. These events wouldn't have cascaded the way they did and unfolded the way they did. So exactly. it was absolutely imperative yeah, he- that Ned be the lying little person he was to help put everything in motion. He, um, yeah, he went to the wall basically one reason because he didn't feel wanted there, you know? Yeah, he wanted a place of acceptance, and he thought he was going to find it on the wall. And in all fairness, Benjamin tried to tell him not to do it. And there's even a bigger yeah. conversation about it in the book. Benjamin told him not to do it, and he went anyway. But it had to happen. Yeah. Anywho, uh, next I've got, was it just me, or did time travel, like not time travel, but... The time it took to travel. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Seemed to get shorter about. and shorter and shorter as the series went on. Because it took Robert Baratheon a month to get from King's Landing to Winterfell in the first episode. And it just seems like as the series went on, they were just magically in places pretty quick, you know? Oh, I'm yeah. going to go over here, which usually take, which would take like three weeks to a month to get to, but... He's over there all of a sudden, and yeah, it just seemed like time, or not time travel, the travel travel time took a lot less. Yeah, especially in the later seasons, like you said, like in, uh, I'll, I'll use season seven as an example here, when they go beyond the wall to go catch uh, White Walker. Um, yeah. Like, Daenerys gets from Dragonstone to that north, northern part beyond the wall in like zero time. I granted she's flying on well, a dragon. I understand that, right? I understand she's flying on a dragon. But uh, even still, what ground? But yes, it wouldn't have happened that fast, quite honestly. And then in that very same episode, they send Gendry running back for the keep to warn them about what is happening. He gets there in like zero time. Like, how fast were you running, dude? Are you a cheetah? Yeah, it it got kind of ridiculous towards the end. No, I agree. 100%. Uh, next, I've got... Uh, let's see, we talked about that, talked about that, talked about that. Um, talked about that, talked about that, talked about that. Dang, we covered a lot. Um, no, yeah, I wrote this down, too. Uh the reason why the hound hated his brother the mountain so much uh cuz i remember it, they told the story in season 1 i think littlefinger told the story to sansa but uh uh the mountain gregor uh when he held his uh 6-year-old brother um the hound he held his face over a fire because he was playing with one of his toys sounds legit right I'm pretty sure Brecken would do that for um, Dragon if given the opportunity. Uh, <laughs> um, that the Long Night episode at Winterfell in season eight, I kind of felt like more people or more main characters should have died during that. The only really two main characters you had die were um, Theon and uh, Jorah. It just, I don't know, it just seemed like a lot of people died, but. They're nobodies. 
And yeah. So why do you think people, more people should have died? The shock value of it? I don't know about the shock value, the realistic value of it more, you know? Like, you just had Brienne in a corner just waving her sword, killing all these White Walkers and, or zombies. And, uh, I don't know, I just felt like more people should die during that battle. And I understand why they didn't, because you want to keep your main characters. It's a TV show, you're trying to make money. <laughs> you know, but I, at the I same agree. time, it just felt like more. But I, I I agree to to a point only because I felt like there should have been something a little bit more shocking about it, uh, aside from the the ending kill of the Night King. Like you know, giving Arya that opportunity was definitely a nice little shock moment, uh, well deserved on her part. But as far as like a death definitely. is concerned, I really I agree. You know, Theon. At this point, nobody cares about Theon. Bye. A lot of us have already right. said goodbye to him, you know, seasons before. Um, and uh, Jorah, yeah, well, that was kind of gut-wrenching. Like they'd, been leading yeah. that, they'd been leading up to his death for a while now, so it's just kind of like, oh, this is where it is? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, it, it should have been something just absolutely out of the blue, like a character that... Uh, like, you know, this would have been the perfect part to kill off, like Brienne. That would have been, as sad as that would be, that would have been an absolutely horrific thing to happen. Or even Jamie, Jamie at the height of his arc. This would be in a great yeah. point for him to end. He ends on a high note, you know, um, not the way he ended uh, in the actual finale, or not, yeah, not even the finale. Yeah, he landing and goes to Winterfell to fight the White Walkers, but he, and he's the only one that did, you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, look at look at that character progression and then to give and just to kind of give him that sweet out just when everybody has fallen in love with him and everything looks like it's just going to be going great for him moving forward. Boom, he's out of the picture. I mean, I think that would have been an absolutely um, shocking death. Uh, yeah, they, they yeah. should have they should have done something a little bit more to kind of thin out the herd a little bit. But. In the it end, like you like, said, it, it makes sense that from a show run perspective, right. let's not let's not get rid of all our players quite yet. This is not the final battle, right? And it 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 seemed like the zombies completely overwhelmed the humans, and everybody pretty much should have died in that battle. Agreed, absolutely agreed. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because. Uh, uh, I've read about it a little bit more. People wonder how, after this battle, it seemed like a lot of the um, human forces were depleted in this battle against the White Walkers and the Night King and stuff like that. Yet, they seem to have enough enough men to go ahead and feel comfortable to march on King's Landing afterwards. Like, how? How is that even possible? You lost a lot yeah. of people theoretically in this in this battle. There are a lot of deaths. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, the whole Darth uh, Raki army is just completely gone now. You know, they're the yeah. first ones in there. Yeah, they were there at King's Landing. <laughs> and then all their lights just went out. Yeah, they were there at King's Landing. Yeah, the Unsullied. Uh, a good yeah. amount of those forces were uh, lost to the Battle of uh, uh, the Long. Blah, 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 blah. 
that thing. Um, the long night. Yeah, the long night. Yet yeah, there they are, King's Landing. You know, it's just I don't know. The math doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a TV show. Anywho, yeah, exactly. It wasn't the book. <laughs> We're never going to get the book. I think um, we just need to. Uh, we we all just need to agree. George R. R. Martin's going to pass away before this book is ever published. <laughs> We're never knows. We're never going to know how to end. So so this prequel is not based on books, correct? No, but it's based off of established lore that George R. R. Martin has, um, you know, presented to us. You know, okay, so going back and saying, start. you know, like this is this is the line <laughs> of the Targaryens. This is the kind of they they built a world. But all based the writing on... and stuff is writing by not him, so it might suck. Yeah, you know, it's gonna it, a lot of it's gonna be a show creation. It's good. They're gonna. I mean, you're going based off of you know he's done the Targaryen line, lineage, and you know he's given us some background on the Targaryens and stuff like that. But I have a feeling a lot of this is going to be liberty with that limited information. Um, but I, again, I honestly don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, George R.R. Martin seems to have given his seal of approval and seems to have been involved with it, so. Yeah, it comes out in not that long, like a couple weeks. Yeah, um, uh, uh, at the time of this, yeah, a couple weeks. Yeah. Oh, not, oh, yeah. Uh, anyways, so moving on, notes. <laughs> um, so, when Robert was on his deathbed, and he was telling Ned to write that the the letter stating that Ned was going to take over until Joffrey come of, came of age. Mm-hmm. And then Ned just kind of put that he's going to be king and not Joffrey at all. I kind of felt at that moment that Ned never wanted to be king. He only did that because of how horrible Joffrey was. And it was the lesser of two evils, you know? Well, yeah. Yeah, Ned definitely never wanted to be king. It's never it was wish. He was perfectly happy. In, in fact, that comment that he made, that uh, Robert made, uh, when he had a uh, he was going somewhere and he told uh, Ned to sit on the throne while he was gone, and and he goes, "You're gonna hate it more than I do." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ne- like Ned never wanted it. Ned, 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 boy, I cannot speak today. Ned never even wanted to be hand of the king. He wanted nothing to do with that life. Yeah. Kind of like John. But it's better than having Joffrey, huh? I said kind of like John. Yeah. But it was better than having Joffrey as king, so that's why that's why I think that he wrote that in there. Yeah. Not cuz he wanted it, not because he was selfish, but just because well, Of course, you know, like on the same lines, you know, instead of listing Joffrey Joffrey specifically, I need to slow down, I guess. Instead of listing Joffrey specifically, he said true heir obviously true. the yeah, hint he did. Yeah. yeah the hint that joffrey oh, was yeah, not the right. true heir yeah, of no. robert baratheon yeah you know yep little did he know that the boy that he raised actually he did know he knew liar yeah he did know that's the right. liar he knew that the boy he raised was the targaryen and the true heir to the yeah, targaryen the line heir. of the throne well, I wrote on here that the hound is not a bad guy. He's just grumpy. 
<laughs> Actually, I mean, if you think about it, he's really not that bad of a guy. I mean, in the first season, um, his brother was going to kill a knight, and he he stepped in and stopped it from happening. And uh, then he helped Sansa out when she was about to be raped. And uh, he, I mean, as much as he wanted the bounty for Arya, like he protected her the whole time. And uh, yeah, I I, I kind of like the Hound. He's not a bad guy. He just unfortunately has a bad reputation, or not even a bad reputation. Well, I guess kind of a bad reputation. He's got a bad reputation, and of course he's got that menacing demeanor. You know, who who wants to stare at a half-burnt face and things like that, and he kind of embraced the nickname he was given and that persona and stuff like that. So yeah, he just comes off as a bad guy, but deep down he wants to not necessarily do the right thing, but he wants to do what he thinks is the right thing. I don't know. That's kind of kind of a conflicting right. idea. Well, kind of like with that family that him and Arya went to, uh, and then he went back later, um, and the 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 they were dead. It was the I think the the father and the daughter. Oh, the one he and stole the he, silver from. Yeah, and then he went back and he wouldn't bury the bodies in the back. Yeah. 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 He definitely softened up as the uh as the show progressed and he um he started realizing that he was fighting for the wrong side and he was he he's one of those wonderful characters that had such a great arc and learned and grew uh with the show and again ultimately meeting a demise that I feel was not fitting to his role but whatever. Yeah. Well, no, it was. Oh, well, not maybe not fitting to his role, but at the same time, that battle with the mountain had to happen. It had to happen, fighting. but it felt so, it felt so forced on us, you know, and it and it felt also so short lived. I don't know. Yeah, and they both fell out of the window to their death together, just right. like Cersei and <laughs> Jamie holding each other. But can the can <laughs> the mountain really die? I don't know. I mean, he's under Kyburn's like, magic. Yeah, you know. I mean, they fell into a fiery death, so I don't know. Maybe his they body did, just completely burned up. They did fall into the fiery death, so yeah, maybe. Hmm. Um. So I wrote a note on here how in the first season when uh Ned figures out that um Joffrey is. Actually, all the kids are are Jamie's and not uh, Robert's. Was mainly because of the hair color. He's reading that book, and Robert Baratheon, black of hair; Joffrey, blonde of hair; Tommen, blonde of hair. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, all the Baratheons had dark hair. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're gonna make this big of a deal out of that, why the how the heck did John have black hair? His father was a Targaryen white of hair, and his mother was a Stark, who all red of hair, usually. How is his pitch black? Um, that doesn't make any sense to me. Bad casting. Bad casting. 
But at the same time, you don't want to reveal at the beginning that he's a Targaryen with the white hair. But at the same time, he shouldn't have had black hair. Well, somewhere in the Stark lineage, there must be something with uh, dark hair because he he would have to have gotten it through genes somewhere. I get that, but at the same time, I still feel like if you're Targaryen, you're kind of Targaryen, you know, you're going to have that white hair. Or at least a semblance of it, you know? Hmm. Good question. Yeah. Anywho. Um, <laughs> then I wrote a note on here, the Battle of the Bastards. Just zigzag. <laughs> um... Uh, come on, Rickon. You had one job. <laughs> oh, and this is actually a funny part, too. It was uh, season three, episode three, when Cat's dad dies. And they go oh to... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they have his body floating down to the river. And the dude can't hit the freaking thing to light it on fire. That was funny. Uh, that that was that so was, that, that was, was hilarious. And then uh, who's that? The blackfish just took the arrow and hit it the first time. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was Edmer that couldn't hit it, right? Yeah, it was Edmer. Yeah, because he got captured later in that season, at the end at the what red red wedding. Well, he wasn't but yeah, really no. captured. He was just being held hostage after a wedding. Same thing. Yeah. Captured, held hostage. You have to be captured to be held hostage. <laughs> Do the deed now. Uh, here's your new room in the dungeon. You know. Bye. Yeah. But yeah, that was a that was a funny sequence. <laughs> <laughs> that that was funny, and you like. I loved seeing the laughter on everybody's faces when it was happening too. Like, you know, just shows you could have a little bit of levity in a serious situation. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I might be running out of my thoughts. Um, oh, I it was pretty cool too. At the end of season seven, when they're pulling the when the White Walkers are pulling the dragon out of the out of the lake and with then chains, his eye opens. Yeah, with chains. Eyes... What chains? Sorry, I like. I know I'm shouting right now. What? Sorry, chains? Are you saying like where did they, where did they get the chains? Yeah, where did they get the chains? They're oh, White no, Walkers. Could've... These are dead zombies. Where do they have chains? No. Big enough chains and long enough chains and strong enough chains to pull <laughs> a dead dragon from a frozen lake. It makes zero I sense. It's knows? cool. They, they had them somewhere. It's cool. I never even thought of that. It's cool as shit. <laughs> it really is. Like that when the when the Night King like causes the dragon to come back and the eyes open and they're blue and everything like yeah. oh you know th- oh it's about to go down that's cool and everything but seriously chains where where did you get them guys have you where have you been hiding these chains you just yeah. happen to have chains right then and there to pull this dragon i i'm sorry sorry bad riding bad never 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 even thought about that I just thought it was cool that the dragon became a White Walker. <laughs> it, it was cool, and it was cool, and I hate to put down the 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 coolness of that scene and everything like that. But it's honestly the very first thing I thought of when I watched that episode. I'm like, where, why, how did they get these chains? <laughs> but uh, anyway, I guess guess I need to move on. Anywho, <laughs> bad writing. Um. 
I think I just got a couple of things. Ah, that's cool. <laughs> the, the scene in uh, season eight when Jamie made it to Winterfell and he sees Bran and just the look on his face and Bran's just kind of sitting there with a smirk. That w- that was funny, and uh, you know, Jamie's just like, "Oh crap, is this boy about to tell on me?" Like, quite honestly, Jamie, the boy's alive. If he wanted to say, "Hey, yeah. Jamie's the one who pushed me out the window," he would have said it done that a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. That's the last thing you need to be worrying about at this point. But that also shows that how much funny. Jamie's grown as a character. He's filled with guilt for the things that he's done in the past. Right. So uh, actually, quite honestly, that is a endearing plot line. And the most humanizing thing that they could have done for Jamie is to show that guilt and to see that guilt across his face, like coming face to face with the kid that he pushed out a window for Cersei. Um, yeah. Uh, that face, while funny, uh, kind of funny and uh, emotional all at the same time, it's just, uh, yeah, I thought it was a really cool thing that they showed that. And then having that kind of naive conversation between the two, Jamie and Bran, where he's just like, you right, know, are right. you going to tell, you know, are you going to tell them? And he's just like, what's the point? You know, no, I'm not, you know. Yeah, at this point, I mean, there is no point doing it. Plus, he yeah, kept saying, I'm not Bran Stark anymore anyways. Yeah, like there's nothing to gain for Bran saying, "Oh, by the way, this is the guy who pushed me out the window." You know, see, I told yeah. you I didn't fall. He doesn't care anymore. He's the three-eyed raven. He's got more important things to worry about. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier or not, but um, so when the when that the last night episode premiered on HBO, I watched it that night, and it was so dark. And they did this on purpose, from what I hear, but it was so dark that you couldn't even tell what the heck was going on in half of it. And mm-hmm. when I watched it, uh, when I was doing my rewatch, it looks like they, I guess, went back and brightened it up, as you can see. There was a lot of people complaining how dark that episode was, and nobody knew what the heck was going on because you couldn't see anything. Um, I still would like to complain about how dark that episode was. I had to stop watching it. You should have it. seen it when it first came out. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But I had to stop watching it during the day. So, like, I started it in the morning, realized I wasn't going to see anything, even with turning my brightness up. So I stopped watching it during the day. I waited until night came, and I could turn off all the lights in the house and still turn the brightness up. And I still had, I still struggled to watch it, quite honestly. Um, I get, yes, I get from a cinematic point of view what they were trying to do. They're trying to show how dark this battle actually was the last night, the dark night, um, how it was in kind of put you in the place of the viewpoint of the people that were there in the battle. But you're also telling a visual story, guys. You need to let us be able to see it. Okay, we can imagine that it's dark for everybody involved, but we, the people, we need to see. Okay, this is not an audiobook. Word. Word. I like your your last one here. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure if we discussed this earlier or not, but I did not like that they melted down the Iron Throne. I didn't understand it at all. I, I, it, yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. Now, why, right. why melt it down? So, I just got done 
listening to that binge mode episode uh, that they did on that particular episode where they talked about or where they where the dragon melted down the Iron Throne. And I kind of like what Jason said here. He believes that the reason the dragon did it is so uh, Drogon. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a moment. Drogon, you know, sensed that um, Daenerys died because uh, they have a bond. Uh, she was his rider. Uh, so that's why he showed up there at the throne room after Jon stabbed her. <clears throat> and he was so distraught over it that he considered burning John, but he also the the prevailing theory is is that he still also sensed that there was a part of her in John, the Targaryen blood. No canon to that whatsoever. But it's just a th- working theory. So in the end, he chose to take his frustration out on the throne, which was the thing that caused all the problems to begin with. Everybody was that. they don't know that. This is all theory. No 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 not them theorists. I'm saying the Drogon. Does he know that? No, 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 no. no. I mean, he's a dra- exactly. dragon. So, dragons are right. highly intelligent creatures and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but I doubt he looked at the I Iron hope. Throne and been like, oh, this is what everybody's fighting over. Let me take care of this real quick. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, it didn't work like that. I thought yeah. it was a bad choice on the showrunner's parts to melt down I the Iron that. Throne. Um, it, it's a symbol. It's a symbol that's, that's that you didn't about the Iron Throne. Yeah, that's that. That's ultimately what it was about, and it's not a, the Iron Throne wasn't the enemy. It wasn't. It was just a symbol. What was the enemy was the people fighting to sit there. So I I just don't understand the entire point of melting, um, yeah. down that throne. I feel like it accomplished nothing and kind of in the end, it kind of gave you that feeling that it was all for nothing. Like, yeah, basically. We basically just sat through, was. we no. just sat through eight seasons season of this, and now you tell me that yeah. this was nothing? This was just this little, this was a little play thing that could easily be burned by a dragon, and then he, you know, carefully picks up Daenerys and flies not away. not just that. Mm. But they just made, they made such a big deal at the end of season seven that Jon was a Targaryen. And the rifle to the throne, and they did absolutely nothing with that information. He just yeah. disinspected the wall. Well, I hopefully we're going to get some clarity on that. Wall. Hopefully we're going to get some clarity on that. They are doing the Jon Snow show or whatever it is. Oh, well, Snow, Jon Snow show. They That's what they the should John call Snow it. Show. <laughs> the Late jo- night with Jon Snow. Snow. <laughs> uh and a sidekick ghost uh torment torment um yeah yeah no uh so hopefully we're gonna get some clarification on that when they do that uh that spinoff show snow i think is what they're actually going to call it um but they they dropped the ball on you know the more I sat here and think about it like I was defending season eight in the beginning because again I got to have a different viewing experience with it than most people did um, but the more I've been sitting here thinking about it it really is such an inferior season compared to the other seven uh, and even season seven was starting to go downhill real fast um, it was an inferior season it was rushed the choices that they made were questionable i.e. again. 
the Iron Throne being melted down, uh, them not really doing anything with the whole John being a Targaryen storyline, um, Bran taking over as king. I know I defended that earlier in the episode, but still it was a poor choice in the long run. There's just so many things that they... Um, that they dropped the ball on, quite honestly. And it's like they just... Why they felt they had to rush the storyline... If they came up with this idea that they wanted to get from point A to point B, and they were going to do it without George R. R. Martin's final book and true knowledge of how he planned on ending it, that's fine. You, why rush it, though? There was no reason for that to be the final season. They could have taken their time and done a few more seasons and really did the story justice. But they had to rush it out, and then they had to shorten it. Six episodes makes zero sense in my mind. So there was a lot of questionable things that they did, and I just, um, I just wish they would have done better. Quite honestly, you know, it's kind of like one of those things. uh, I I want the I want them to come back and do like what they did with Dexter. You know, kind of do like a uh, a new season. And kind of pick up the pieces and been like, here, we know that last season didn't do us any justice. How about this? And kind of just pick up the pieces. You know what I mean? And maybe that's what Snow will do. Who knows? Like, you know, there's a very wonderful theory, and I actually love this theory, and I hope it comes true, that Daenerys is not truly dead. Um... She survives. No, I don't like that theory. She survives. Did he take her body? Did Drogon take her body? Yes. He scooped her up with his talon and flew off with her. That's why Bran asks any sight of the dragon towards the end of the well, uh, final episode. He, I don't know if that's the only reason why he asked if there's any sight of the dragon. There's still uh, a dragon on the loose. <laughs> I would be asking that question for many reasons. One, yes, because there's a dragon on the loose. Two, dragons in... Uh, the Game of Thrones uh, world are asexual, so it doesn't matter if they're a boy or girl. They can change sexes and also a reproduce. So Drogon could potentially actually be laying eggs life and creating... Life finds a way. Yes, life finds a way. Ian Malcolm said it the best. He could be laying <laughs> eggs and creating other little dragons. And, of course, I would also be asking the question that John, no reason to lie to anybody, but John says, well, I stabbed her, she's dead, I watched her bleed out on the floor... But is she actually dead? I would still be asking these questions. We live in a world where magic exists and so many unexplained things can happen. Arya got, she got stabbed once. Arya got stabbed six times. And lived. There's, and lived. So there's still a very good got chance. Got up and ran and yes. then lived. Still a very good chance. Daenerys is out there biding her time. Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. I think that would be a very interesting thing. Now... For the finality of the story, Daenerys needs to be dead because she became the queen of the ashes and that's how her arc ends is with her death. But I still think it's a very interesting theory that runs on the show's timeline. We're no longer talking book timeline anymore. The show's timeline. I think it would be an interesting theory if Daenerys were actually still alive. Yeah. um, I don't know. But and going back to what we were just really talking about, still makes no sense why they chose to melt down the Iron Throne. And so, well, I mean, if Bran's going to ask 
worth the dragon, shouldn't he know? I had that Dread very Raven. same question you know? too. And shouldn't he know if Darnarius is still alive? And maybe he knows. I don't, know. I don't like the whole seeing the future thing because that just makes too, everything complicated. And, and I see, why that's that's the, the most delicious part, though. I mean, he could know, and he's toying yeah. with everybody. Maybe. And the last three-eyed raven was stuck in a tree. Why does Bran get to become king of Westeros? I think those are all choices. I think that um, supposed to be stuck in a tree. Uh, yes, I don't think I, that I, because I think he made a comment saying like I didn't want to be here, but I mean I could be wrong about that, but I could have swore he said something like this is he he went into exile. Um, he went into uh, I I forget. <sighs> Damn, I forget what his actual name is because he's also a Targaryen. Um, he went into exile, and he chose exile. So maybe he didn't choose to become part of a tree, but he chose to be far away from everything like that. Bran actively chose not to be exiled. Why does it have to be? I mean, everything that the old three-eyed raven did for Bran was to prepare him to return. I guess. Yeah. All right. Now I really want to watch the last season, even though it's such trash. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I can convince uh, you how horrible it is. It it really is trash, but on the whole, it, it's kind of, every show is going to have a season that's trash. Let's just be honest. Um even my favorite shows there are weak seasons on them. Um and unfortunately, you're talking about the final season, the pivotal season, and you really hate for that final season to be trash. I'm going to refer to Dexter again. Season eight was absolute garbage. They did a towards the end. Now, the build up to it was absolutely wonderful. The beginning of season eight was strong. It was great. I loved where they were going with it. And then all of a sudden they hit this like turn and it went downhill, 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 downhill. And that's why that this most recent season of Dexter was so beautiful in the fact that they embraced their mistakes and they were willing to try to correct for them. And I think they did a fantastic job with that. So that's why I'm saying maybe Snow will be the opportunity to embrace the mistakes they made in Season 8, and here's how we're going to correct for them. I hope so. I hope so, too. I can't talk enough about this last season. I I know this is not a Dexter podcast, but I really cannot talk enough praise about this last season of Dexter they did. It was just absolutely phenomenal. Every episode was amazing from beginning to end, and it just kept getting better and better. Even the ending was just so great. If y'all haven't watched it yet, watch it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I was actually going to do a Dexter rewatch, um, but I am watching Better Call Saul, and it almost it's almost over. Like, almost over. So, as soon as that's done... The next day, I'm literally going to do my Breaking Bad rewatch. Nice. And then I might get Dexter. I don't know. <laughs> We're still going through our Spartacus rewatch, and uh, Karen doesn't like seasons two or three. She only likes the first one in the prequel season, so we might just stop after the prequel season. So who knows? Those actually are the best two seasons. Those are the best two, yeah. See, and there's nothing wrong, technically, with seasons two or three. Uh, it's nothing against the guy they got to play Spartacus after Andy Whitfield passed away, but he, he just was Liam McIntyre was not as strong a candidate for Spartacus as everybody else and yeah. it just you could you could feel you could feel it in the show after that 
So, but hey, it is what it is. Anyway, does that wrap yep. up your uh, thoughts about uh, Game of Thrones? That wraps up my thoughts that I wrote down while I was watching. Awesome. Well, I think that means I we're ready to rate the show. All right, so we're going to rate the whole show. Sure. Let's okay. Rate the whole show. All right. We'll rate so the series. The entire series from seasons one to eight. So you, we have to take into account all eight seasons and how we got from point A, winter is coming, to point B, the Iron Throne. How do we rate the series? Despite season eight's flaws, I'm still honestly going to give it a 10 because I still think it's one of the best shows that's ever been put on television. Okay, that's fair. Um, I'm not quite as generous as you, but I am willing to give it a nine. And I am willing to say that because it is. It is quite possibly one of the most captivating shows and one of the most ambitious shows ever made for television. Um, and it's beautiful to watch from beginning to end. It's just that final season really does kind of uh, sour it down a little bit more. And again, had they just embraced the decisions they made a little bit more carefully and carried them out a little bit more strategically and not so quickly, it probably would have been a better payoff. But uh, I'll give it a nine, ultimately. A nine. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So any miscellaneous thoughts before we wrap this up fully? I actually have a whole bunch here to throw. I see. I just, I just scrolled down and I saw that. So go ahead and lay us with your uh, miscellaneous. Hey, you, you here. could you could read some of them too if you want to. <laughs> that way, have to, we 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 could, we could take turns. All right, all right. <laughs> um, well, you've already talked about this first, first one. one. No, we've already talked about this first one. Did I? Yes, oh, it's did? not actually the Seven oh. Kingdoms, but that's okay. Right. Um, we also yeah. talked about how George R. R. Martin stated that the infamous Red Wedding was the hardest chapter to write. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we said this one. Sean Bean played with his uh, replica head after his death scene in season one. Played football with his replica head. It's kind of uh, gruesome, kind of but I like it. Well, you say gruesome, I say funny. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of... Yeah. It is what it is. Well, you know, you know, that's how um, apparently they used to play. What was it? They used to play uh, golf that way back in medieval times with severed heads, didn't they? No, it was something else. What? No, it was something else. I'm sorry. You can't hit a head with a golf club. Well, it's not why gonna not? Go anywhere. It's going to. Because when you hit the head, the club's probably going to go right through it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I, I could have my sport wrong though, so I'm. I know they played a sport with <laughs> severed heads at some somewhere. Oh, all right. I'll look it up. Cr- right. uh, crochet was that? Was that cricket? Crochet. Um, cr- no, not cricket. The one where uh, croquet. You have the little mallet. Croquet. There you go. Crochet. <laughs> croquet. <laughs> uh, I I honestly yes, don't know. One. I'm googling it right now. That one. Uh, let's see. Sport played with severed heads. The FBI agent looking at my phone right now is going to uh, be <laughs> kind of scared. Well, um, we're just kind of trying to get a new sport going yeah. on the ESPN Ocho. <laughs> ESPA, the Ocho with severed heads. 
I know how to spell severed. Thank you. Uh. Anywho, um, while you're looking for that, I'm going to move on. <laughs> yes, yes, go ahead. Go. <laughs> um, so apparently, uh, Gwendolyn Christie, who played Brienne of Tarth, um, she's 6'3", and she said that the most grueling scene that she had to play in the whole series was in Season 4, Episode 10, The Children, when she had a sword fight with 6'6", Rory McCain, who played uh, the Hound. Ah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And George R. R. Martin once said that his wife said she would leave him if he kills off Arya or Sansa. Well, thank God that the, he has not yet to kill off Arya or Sansa. Um, and I mentioned this earlier that Peter Dinklage, uh, or Tyrion, um, in the books had his nose cut off and it was just too difficult to digitally take it out every single episode. So they just put that scar on his face in the battle of the black water. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, you um, know, that, that's Harris? a good, oh. that's a good choice though. What the showrunners yeah. did. Um, Kit Harrington revealed that he used Jon Snow's fate to avoid a speeding ticket. The officer asked him, to either uh, go to the police station, get booked, or tell him whether John will be alive in the next episode. So Kit told him the secret and got out of ticket. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the guy who played uh, Elian Payne, uh, Wilco Johnson, had to retire after the second season because he was diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer if i remember correctly he actually lived he did oh good for him i think so cool yeah this one i know yeah i remember reading this one uh jack leeson who played joffrey baratheon received a letter from author george rr R. martin after the show aired stating congratulations on your marvelous performance everyone hates you Everyone, that's when you know you're doing a good job. <laughs> you know, you know you're doing a great job when everybody hates you. The kid had to retire from acting, guys, because this role yeah, ruined much. him. But he wasn't so, he wasn't that great of an actor anyway. Just saying. he was great as Joffrey, but yeah. you know, Batman should have killed him when he had the chance. And like Batman Begins, <laughs> stupid. No, he was kid. freaking phenomenal as Joffrey. He was phenomenal. Um, is he going back to that? Uh, thing earlier with the if it was made in the US and who would be cast as who um um they said Jennifer Anderson for Cersei I don't I don't I she wouldn't she would no way do that role because everybody loves Jennifer Anderson she did that role everybody would hate Jennifer Anderson that, that that's exactly it you know it's got to be an actor or actress who's willing to put the reputation on the line like that or already has an established reputation of playing, you know, the bad guy villain or something like that. You just can't take somebody beloved by most people like Jennifer Aniston and throw them in that role and expect a, a expect them to do it, you know. It it just it wouldn't work. <clears throat> wouldn't work. Uh, according to the author, 
Peter Dinklage was the one and only choice to play Tyrion Lannister, and no other actors were auditioned. Dinklage was then nominated eight consecutive times, one for each season, for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series at the Emmys. He won his first, fifth, seventh, and eighth seasons, uh, setting a new record for most wins in an Outstanding Supporting ca- uh, Actor category for the same role. He was awesome. Yeah, he was good. This one is uh, this one's quite fascinating. So George R. R. Martin was approached several times with plans to adapt his still unfinished and yes, still unfinished uh, book series, A Song of yes, Ice yes, and Fire. Still unfinished. Still <laughs> unfinished. Or maybe it is, and he just hasn't published it yet. Who knows? Book series, A Song of Ice and Fire, into a movie, but he has rejected them. He rejected them all as he thought his books were too uh, expansive to be made into a movie. Uh, dude, I have one yeah, word for you. Put all that in a movie. <laughs> Tolkien. Tolkien created a much more expansive world. I'm just throwing that out there. Anyway. Well, seriously, I don't think this would have worked as a movie at all. No, no, it wouldn't have worked as a movie. It needed to be a TV show. There are some things that just need to be TV shows. Um, I mean, maybe a, maybe a trilogy, like, but I don't know. But even turning it like even turning the Lord of the Rings books into a trilogy of movies, they had to cut so much out because it was so expansive. That's something yeah, that would have worked great as is... a TV show. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, it's like that. That's what. That's why Lord of the Rings in itself would have made an amazing TV show because then they wouldn't have had to cut so much out of it. I always say the same thing about Harry Potter. Like if they ever plan on making Harry Potter again in the future, remaking it. Do it as a TV show, guys, and do the books justice, for crying out loud. The movies are fine, don't get me wrong. Yeah, there are somewhat somewhat questionable decisions they made in the movies, but overall, they're fine. TV show would do books a lot, especially like these uh, franchise books, these series books, a lot more justice if you do them as TV shows. So that's why it's easier to make something like this into a TV show um, when David Benehoff and uh, D.B. Weiss uh, told them that they wanted to make a series out of it, he asked them who they thought Jon Snow's mother could be, and satisfied with the answer, he agreed to sell the rights to the book. I also read somewhere that it was um, how they said they would like to handle the Red Wedding. Oh? Yeah. Different like, they pitched, the they pitched their idea for how they would make the Red Wedding... Uh, happen on screen and George R. R. Martin was very oh, pleased with their yeah. idea. Nice. Yeah. And see another thing with this being a TV show is because you had these start kids at a young age at the beginning who grew up throughout time. You couldn't do that in a movie, you know? I guess you could, but you'd have to have different actors playing probably. Well, yeah, yeah, you can. They could do one of two things. You know, you can just space out your filming of the movies to accommodate the accommodate the growth of the actors. I mean, obviously, they had to do that. Again, Harry Potter and things like that. Or you can do something like what The Crown on Netflix does to tell a whole story about Queen Elizabeth and uh, the royal family. Every few seasons, they recast to an older actress or older actors and things like that to play these different roles so they can help move the story along. So you could very easily do something similar to that. True. In this episode. I like it better as a 
TV show. Of course. So, um, so that scene when Daenerys was eating the, what was it, the horse's heart? Mm-hmm. It was actually uh, made of gelatin. Gross. And uh, although it was safe to eat, Clark said that it was still foul-tasting enough that her facial expressions and gagging while forcing it down required no acting for the camera at all. I know, that's just, that's super gross. Ugh. Uh, both Charles Dance, who played Tywin Lannister, and Jack Leeson, who played Joffrey, were appalled and disgusted at their character's treatment of their son and uncle, Tyrion Lannister, which I kind of mentioned this earlier, too. Mm-hmm. Dance remarked that it was extremely difficult for him to mistreat a genuinely nice man like Peter Dinklage, so much that Dance kept apologizing to Dinklage in between takes. <laughs> I believe it. Uh... Was it? How do you say his name? Conleth? 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 Uh, Conleth? Conleth? Conleth Hill, who played Lord Varys, actually auditioned for the role of Robert Baratheon. Uh, no, he was much better as the Lord of Whispers, Master of Whispers. Yeah, oh, he was good. Um, yeah, and this one, I, I read this too, and I thought this was kind of interesting. There was a rumor that prior to being cast, uh, Lena Headley and uh, Jerome Flynn, who played Queen Cersei and Braun, respectively, had been in a relationship that ended on such bad terms that each had a clause inserted into their contracts that they were never to share scenes and must remain apart on set. Flynn has, however, stated that this is not true, saying we were actually in the same scene together, and the last time I saw Lena we were speaking, so I wouldn't believe everything you read, and like I said, the media can get pretty desperate for stories. Nevertheless, Braun and Cersei are only together in one very brief scene on the show. Just, there's no and reason that's for them. When, uh, I th- right. I think that was when uh, he was walking, when they had, they were holding Tyrion, and he walked out, and she was about to walk in, and that was the only scene that they were in the entire series. Yeah, I mean, the, quite honestly, they the had time, no reason to interact with each other. Right. Um, but at the same time, didn't... I can't remember. I'll, she told him to go to Winterfell to kill Jamie and Tyrion. Or did she do that indirectly? She did it through Kyburn. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. He did. Okay. Uh, let's see. The average cost of production per episode of the show up to season six was about six million dollars per episode, with the most ex- expensive being season two, episode nine, Blackwater, a cost of reported eight million dollars. However, HBO decided to set a budget of one hundred million dollars for season six, which meant each episode of the season had an average production cost of ten million dollars. This put the show on par with Friends as the most expensive television show of all time, although the budget of Friends pretty much just went to the stars in that show. Yeah, I don't think um, it cost yeah, the, Friends the, $10 million an episode. It was close. It was in a, close. In a room. Yeah, it was close because they by the end they had one point something million dollar per episode salaries, but yeah. Yeah, and they all had the same salary, so there were six of them. Yep. All getting $1.6 million Yeah, per episode. 24 episodes? Son of a gun. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> Must be it? nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Amelia Clark uh, was doused with so much fake blood during the 
the horse heart eating scene in season one that she got stuck on the toilet when she was taking a break. Yeah, that's funny. This is pretty cool, too. So um, when Charles Dance makes his first appearance, he's uh, dressing a, a, a deer uh, or a stag. Um, and he is actually field dressing an actual stag on camera. And uh, he has never done the procedure before. And he was literally shown the, how to do it the previous day by a butcher. That's dedication. This one's sickening. In 2012, over 160 yeah. <laughs> baby girls in the U.S. were legally named Khaleesi. Come on, guys. Do better. Yeah, do better. <laughs> Let's see. Um, the executive producers of the show, Bidenoff and Weiss, said the production of the show was a massive undertaking. It lasted the entire year, and they shot the show like a 10-hour-long movie. For example, season five was shot... In five countries and 151 uh, sets for 240 days, having 166 cast members and over 1,000 crew members, over 5,000 extras. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. Yeah. This one's interesting. Um, uh, sure, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Ewan Rin. The guy who played Ramsey Bolton, Iwan, Iwan, I'll just call him Iwan, uh, was the <laughs> primary runner-up to play Jon Snow, but was later cast as Ramsey Bolton. And let's well, just he be... killed it as Ramsey Bolton. Oh my gosh. Man, what a villain. Awesome. He should have won yeah. Emmys. Yeah. Well, he, he, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Daenerys Targaryen in the book had purple eyes, but the contact lenses for Amelia Clark she wore affected her performance, so they were abandoned. Uh, that's Which that that's a fine cool change. With purple eyes. It would have been cool, but that's an okay change. George R. R. Uh, Martin intended to write an episode for each season, but did not write one after the fourth season because he was busy focusing on finishing the book. <clears throat> yeah, right. Uh, by the time the show <laughs> concluded in 2019, the book was still not finished. Uh, 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 uh. Which gave us a bookless season eight. Uh, uh, it's your fault, George R. R. Martin. Just saying. So, Catelyn Stark was actually played by somebody else in the pilot episode. Jennifer Eel, uh, but she dropped out when the series was picked up and she was unavailable for research, reshoots. So Michelle Fairley was cast instead. Yeah, I have no idea who the other person is, but Michelle Fairley did a fine job. And this next one we kind of alluded to earlier. Yeah. Um, if you want to read that one. Yeah, Ed Skirn, uh, who played Dario Naharis for three episodes in season three, but subsequently left the show. He spoke about his departure by telling Entertainment Weekly, my plan was to stay with Game of Thrones for the long haul. That was always my plan. I would have loved to. It was a wonderful experience, but politics led us to parting ways. And so the role was recast with uh, Michael Kuzman. Yeah, Ed Skirn was better, though. He was. I mean, nothing against Michael Huseman or anything, but... Now, Michael Huseman was good 
in that show, The Haunting of Hill House. Oh my, that was such a good show. Did you watch the, the, they had the other one, um, Bly Manor? Yeah. I watched one episode uh, of it and I was like, nope, this is not Hill House. Hill House was better. It was, eh. Hill House was amazing. Yeah. Hill House House, House, House was really good. It was creepy Um, and amazing. In 2011, Amelia Clark almost died when she suffered two brain hemorrhages during filming. First, after finishing season one, and again after completing season three, she was rushed to the hospital and diagnosed with a brain aneurysm and underwent a three-hour operation. Damn. That's... Damn. Dying for your role? I don't know if that's worth it. Gillian Anderson admitted in 2016 that she turned down one character in the series. Uh, she had two little sons at the time, so I'm guessing that's why she turned it down. But it was rumored that it was Cersei Lannister. Nah, she wouldn't have been good at it. Uh, a full-scale reproduction of a sailing ship was constructed on one of Ciri's, uh sound stages in... Banbridge, Northern Ireland. Virtually every shipboard scene in the series was shot on this set, which was redressed and depicted for the different ships. Interesting. Uh, We already talked about the Emmy nominations for this show, so I'm going to skip right over that. And I'm going to go here and throw more shade at George R.R. Martin, who stated that he was relieved when the show ended, as he had hoped to finish the last two books before the TV series would get there. However, unexpectedly, the series outpaced his writing. Quote, I don't think the TV series was very good for me because the very thing that should have sped me up, I really hope he didn't say speeded, uh, sped me up, actually (laughs) slowed me down. I'd feel terrible because I'd be thinking, my God, I have to finish the book. I've only written four pages when I should have written 40. But having the show finish is freeing because I'm at my own pace now. Despite that, Martin took on several other rioting assignments after the show's end, including including his involvement in the prequel series House of the Dragon. And as of 2021, the book series remains unfinished. George, nobody outpaced (laughs) you. You are just being lazy. Uh, so Laura Butcher was Butler. Sophie Turner's body double and stand-in. The same Butcher. <laughs> You're right, my bad. <laughs> uh, I just watched um, The Boys recently. Butcher. Nice. Yeah, Billy Butcher. Uh, Laura Butler was Sophie Turner's stand-in slash body double. Looks so much like Turner that some people thought they were twins. She revealed in an interview that some of the actors and crew kept thinking she was Turner, and once Turner's fiance, Joe Jonas, even tried to kiss her. What is this, Star Wars Episode One? Come on, guys. It's already been done. Kira Knightley and Natalie Portman, they look so much alike. <laughs> or they did, anyway. They, do. they don't, not anymore. Not much yeah. anymore. Yeah, not so much now. Yeah. Well, when Kira Knight was younger. The final episode of the series, The Iron Throne, was watched by a record 19.3 million viewers across HBO's platforms, which at the time were HBO Go and HBO Now, exceeding the previous series' high of 18.4 million viewers from the previous episode, The Bells. In addition, the episode was the most watched broadcast on HBO ever, with 13.6 million viewers for its initial airing, beating the previous record of 13.4 million viewers for The Sopranos. For all debts, public and private, from 2002. Nice. 
Elizabeth Olsen revealed in an interview that she auditioned for Daenerys Targaryen and lost out to Amelia Clark. Nah, Amelia Clark's better. Sorry, Elizabeth. I like you, but no. Karen Gillian also unsuccessfully auditioned for the series. Uh, depends on the role. She probably could have played Sansa. But she, she's... That's what I was going to say. I think she would have probably been young at the time. Yeah. I like her. I like her, too. I like her in the jungle, um, the jungle movies. I almost said the jungle book movies. Hello. Um, Jumanji movies. Jumanji? Yeah, those. I watched the original Jumanji the other day. Those. Yeah, so the original Jumanji is still a great movie. Yes. But I want them to go back, not remake the movie by any means. No, no, no. But just redo the CGI. Because <laughs> it didn't age well. Hmm. Never really thought about that. I haven't actually watched the original Jumanji in a while. Maybe I don't know I if you can do that or not. I'm assuming you can, but I think it'd be cool if they just remastered not, it. Not, uh, yes, remastered it. Not a, not a George Lucas remaster, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I see what you're and saying. I yeah, I think it'd make the. I mean, everything stays the same. You just redo the CGI. Don't add any more CGI. Just redo what's already there. Mm-hmm. Um. So in the books, Lord Commander Mormont of the Night's Watch has a raven that is often around him and can't even speak. Even though it usually repeats only single-syllable words from conversations that it just overheard, the animal shows signs of intelligence and it almost always repeats the appropriate word. So it makes you wonder. So they kind of talk they talk about it in the series for a little bit, but they go into much better detail in the uh books. Uh warging and you know your uh a uh, person's ability to um essentially possess another living creature uh typically it's animals uh so the starks all have warging capabilities which is why they have those close and in, uh incredible bonds with the dire wolves um bran has a war uh is one of the strongest wargers which is why he can take over not just animals but humans which actually there are rules on that in uh the Game of Thrones world about how wargers should not be taking over humans because of how highly complicated it can become and how you can get lost in your warging capability and how, of course, again, unethical it is to take over. Shouts to Hodor. Sorry. All, all he needed you to do was hold the door, Hodor. 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 Um, Hodor. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's given that other people carry these... Um, these abilities and it's a shame that they didn't allow uh mormont to show this in the um show this ability in the show because i think it yeah. uh it would have added a little bit more mysticism to it as well as also given john and edge and understanding how these bonds with your creatures work and stuff like that in the show i'm talking about like how some of the book stuff got left out or omitted when they uh, translated over to the show. I feel like John having that knowledge and that understanding would have been a lot more powerful for his uh, character arc on the show. So, yeah, yeah, it'd be cool if they had the the Raven in the show. Yeah, but hey, yeah. budget cuts. I mean, we got a lot of uh, direwolves cut from the show because it was too expensive to have them in there. Yeah, the only one that really made it through the show was Ghost. Yeah, and even still, he didn't have as much screen time as he does book time. Nuh-uh. Cool. Well, that's all I had. That is... That's our that's our talk on Game of Thrones, guys. I hope y'all uh, enjoyed it. I'm, it. 
I know it's more than a few hours worth, and we definitely covered a lot of ground here, but we barely began to scratch at that surface. So if y'all have never seen an episode of Game of Thrones and this has inspired you to do so, please do so. It's on HBO uh, Max right now, all seasons. The uh, prequel season is coming out on uh, the 21st of August, and then we have a sequel season or a sequel show coming out um, sometime next year, from what I understand. Yeah, I don't know when that's supposed to come out. Yeah. So uh, a lot of great things. A lot of the world is expanding. George R. R. Martin will die before he ever get, uh, gives us the rest of these books. So don't uh, hold your breath there. And uh, yeah, if you have watched the show and you haven't had the uh, the guts to go back and watch it again after the very disappointing season eight, I encourage you to go back and do it. Okay. It's awesome. Do it. Do it. Do it now. Do it. Don't be like me. Don't be like me and fight it for several years and then like, (laughs) oh, shit, I should have been watching this forever, you know? So, yes. So, before we sign off officially, Robert and I had a little discussion. So, we had a movie lined up, which was going to be our follow-up to this. but uh, And it was something we did on the Voodoo Roulette. But we executed our right to a veto today. Because neither of us were very particularly excited about talking about this movie. We're not going to tell you what it was, because if it does come back up again, we don't want to put that, you know, bad juju out there. But uh, so we're going to. Yeah, if it does come back again, we're still going to talk about it next time. We'll talk about it. Just neither of us could just muster the energy or the will to sit down and really talk about this movie. I didn't want to go from Game of Thrones to that. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a good follow-up, guys. So what we're going to do real quick is that we're going to... Do another round of Voodoo Roulette, and we're going to uh, choose a new movie for discussion. Um, so, let me I'm make an- my Voodoo right now. 925 movies. Jeez Louise. Oh, I know. 912. All right, so here we are. So, picking a number between 1 and 925, generate 486. Okay, let's see. Oh, I just got there. Oh, you did? Okay, what is it? <sighs> the Fate of the Furious. <laughs> oh, Number no, eight. okay. Uh, that's but okay. we got to start at the that's beginning. Okay. Yeah. We got to start at the I'm beginning. Okay, we're talking about the first one. All right, so now the question is are we just going to talk about all of them? Like, just start no, with one and. The first one. And then move uh, on and move wanna... on and move on? Uh, I hope not, because that's a lot of movies. You're right. Let's just start with the first one. So, guys, we're going to talk <laughs> The Fast and the Furious, which is a great film. I'm actually excited to talk about that one. I like the first one. I like So, the first one and the fifth ones are my favorites. So, we're going to talk The Fast and the Furious, guys. It's going to be a great uh, episode, and uh, we look forward to uh, kind of returning back to the whole movie aspect. But I did enjoy this Game of Thrones talk. I really did. This was fun. It was fun. So join us next time as we go to the theater to talk about The Fast and The Furious. Mm-hmm.